0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Oh, Father God, we worship you. Jesus, 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 thank you. Thank you, Lord. You left, you left heaven and came to earth and, and you pressed... You set your face towards Jerusalem where you knew there was a cross and you were going to bear the weight of the sins of the world. And then you died. And on the third day, you rose from the grave. And today, there's thousands of churches across the world and on every continent, every unnamed place that's worshiping your name, Jesus. And we worship you here, God, here in North Denver. We worship you right now. Lord, I know that um, we're not here by accident. I know that that uh, <clears throat> you've been working on on some souls here that are in this room. And I pray that every soul has an encounter with you. Every sinner and saint, we all need your grace. This would be a gigantic waste of time, God, without your Holy Spirit, without that encounter. So that's what I pray for, Lord. I pray that every soul has a personal encounter with with your spirit. An undeniable encounter, God. We give you ourselves. And Holy Spirit, work in and through me, according to Isaiah 61. Work in and through me. Anoint me. Anoint this message. Direct my thoughts and words. We don't need to hear my wisdom, God. We need to hear from you. So move in and through me, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys look so good. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to pick anyone up. I'm just telling you, you guys look so good. Hey, if you haven't noticed here, Unleashed is the theme today. We're talking about the unleashing power of the resurrection. And uh, I'm excited about uh, what's to come here, not only today, but in in the coming weeks. So I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 28, guys. Let's just jump into this. Matthew chapter 28. It's a story that, uh, that uh, we've heard many times, perhaps. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. I always feel bad for the other Mary because we don't know, you know, she's just the other Mary. It's like, yeah, his friend, her friend. Um, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and what did, what did this angel do, church, and... Isn't that cool? I mean, I just think it's just, there's just something really significant about like the angel sitting down and saying, it's done. Ah, you know what I mean? It's just, there's something really cool about that idea that the the work has been done. He just sat on it. His appearance, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that, what did they do, church? They like dead men. Have you been there before? The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for, say it out loud, church, has no other more glorified name than the name of Jesus. I always tell our church, if you don't believe me, just shout out Jesus at King Supers and see what happens. (laughs) There's something special about the name of Jesus, name of Jesus, Um, who was crucified. In verse 6, Let's read this bold out loud again. He is, he is not here. He has risen. Oh, just as he said, "Come and see the place where he, he lay." So let me start off by asking you this question: Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who is He? I mean, if, if we could just be honest for a little bit, um, who is Jesus to you? Because that question is everything. Revelation chapter one. Let me paint a picture of who Jesus is. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes, his eyes, were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice, his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look. I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Is that who you thought about when you were coming to church this morning? Is that your mental picture of Jesus when you were coming, and you say, I'm going to go to Easter service at Thorn Creek, and I'm going to worship Jesus? Is that what you were thinking about? This idea of his appearance was like lightning, and his head and hair were white like wool, and his eyes were flames of fire, and his feet were polished bronze, and his sword came out of his mouth, and when he spoke, it was like water, and the ocean just crashing, and his face, his face was like the sun. Is that what you were thinking about when you were driving over here? When you were checking in your kids, and you were battling on over here, and getting ready, and shaving, and everything else? Is that what you were thinking about? I want you to hear this. The Jesus you see determines who you will be The Jesus you see will determine who you will be. Because you could look at Jesus, and if you look at Jesus and think he's just a religious figure of the past, then he's right up there with any other religious figure. Joseph Smith, Muhammad, Buddha. He's just like any other religious figure. A good person who taught good things. You might even admire his teaching and strive to be a good person. Strive to be kind to others. Strive to follow the golden rule and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. But you can worship the virtues of Jesus and not worship Jesus. You can strive to be kind, but not know Jesus. If he's just a a religious figure for you, then this is just another holiday. And every other religious figure out there that has holidays is at the same level as this religious figure if he's just a religious figure in history for you. If he's a historic personality for you, he's right up there with Columbus and Alexander the Great and all these other you know, historical figures, and he's just one of those. And he had some claims and he was a good teacher. He was an awesome rabbi, a messiah is what his claim was. And he did all these miracles, but he was just another historical figure. Just that's what he was. In fact, he doesn't even care about the way I run my life today. He's not. He doesn't care about the details of my life. I can make decisions. There's no consequences. He doesn't see me. I don't walk with him. I don't meet with him. There's a gap between who he was as historical figure and my life today. And he doesn't understand my life today. I have no relationship with him. He's just a historical figure. If he's a get out of hell card for you, then your Jesus is, he's in your back pocket. And if someone says you're a Christian, are you a Christian? You say, yeah, let me pull out my card. Let me show you. But all the other days of the week, you worship him with your lips and your heart is far from him and you know it. And you, you can play the game, and you can tell others you go to church, you can tell others you're a Christian, but, it, but, but, it, but if, if we looked at your life's decisions, and we looked at the things that you look at on the screen, and we look at the places you slept with, and who you slept with, and we've looked at where you've run, and the crowd you've run, and we looked at your life, and we looked at it, there would be no Jesus found there. So let me tell you again, the Jesus you see determines who you will be. The Jesus you see determines who you will be. If he's Jesus, his eyes are like flames of fire and he's white wool and the sword comes out of his mouth and he glows like the sun, I mean, in all of its brilliance and his feet are like bronze, polished bronze in a furnace and, and you see him and the only place you can be is right here. And you say, oh, Jesus, I want all of you for my life. If Jesus is who he is in your life, then you look at your own home and you say, Jesus, I need you in the center of my home. I need you in the center of my marriage. I want your decision. I want your will, God, for my future, for my job, for my career path. I want you, God, and I want you more than any man or any woman. I want you to be the center of my date life, my dating life. I want you to be the center of all I am and all my pain and all my hurts and all my questions and all my doubts. I want you, Jesus, you are the loudest voice in my life. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. We're living in this day and age of grace right now. You are breathing right now, and your heart is pumping inside of you because God is not done with you yet. And God has given you opportunity to turn to him with all of your heart. He wants all of you. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. He wants all of you. Maybe Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I love what Tammy says. You know, we're baptizing 12 people this weekend, guys. You can put your hands together. Glory to God. I love it. God is still changing lives. You know that? Jesus is still rescuing and redeeming. And Tammy said this. She said, I I have sang this song countless times in my life during personal trials and moments of gratitude. She plays the harp beautifully. She says, I will continue to be obedient to him and sing with great joy in my heart since I know he is my Lord and Savior. All to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live, I surrender all. That's who she, yeah. For Tammy, that's who Jesus is. That's who he is. Revelation chapter one, verse 18, just got me. As I read this passage and I was praying, I said, Lord, give me a word for this weekend and Easter. And I'll just tell you as a pastor, it's always tough. Easter's always tough. Because you recognize that there's some people who come to church only on Easter. Some people have to be dragged to church. If you were dragged to church, you should just kiss the person who dragged you to church. I'm just telling you. They love you and they care about you. You know, Some of you are like, I'm not going to kiss right now. I'm not going to kiss. But this verse right here that says, the ending of it says, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I hold the keys of death and the grave. What is that about? What is that about? Saturday is known as a silent day. Friday is Good Friday. Si- Saturday is known as the silent day. But Scripture tells us that Jesus actually went to hell and preached and ministered. And that's where he kicked, kicked the devil, <coughs> where you don't want to be kicked. <laughs> and that's where he, he, he grabbed the keys of death and grave. There's victory behind that. But behind this verse, I also see something else. There is a battle going on, isn't there? This verse says, "I I hold the keys of death and the grave." Well, that implies that before this, he did not hold the keys of death and the grave, right? I mean, now there's some kind of battle that's happening, and 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 he got victory over it through the resurrection. There is some battle. What's the battle? What's happening? Who who's the enemy? I want you to check this out. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus says this to his disciples. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now we're going back. We're going back before Genesis. And scripture says that Satan was kicked out of heaven. You know why he was kicked out of heaven? Scripture says because of pride. If you look at sin, I believe pride is the root of all sin. Pride is very self-centered, and we can still struggle with pride today. Pride will keep you from falling to your knees. Pride will keep you from having an open heart. Pride is when you think more highly of yourself than you should. And you say to yourself, you know what, I'm better than I'm better. You know what? I don't need to change anything. You know what? I'm fine. You know what? I don't have anything else to learn. You know what? I'm just a little smarter than everyone else. You know what? I don't need church. It's for weak-minded people. Pride can get a hold of any heart. It got a hold of an angel in heaven that was in the presence of the glorious God. Pride. Pride. Revelation says it like this, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. And what does he do? Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And there it is. There's the birth of an army of demons. There it is right there. Satan was kicked out of heaven. Lucifer kicked out of heaven. And all these angels went with him. And hell was born. And these demonic people were, angels were were born. Let me be clear about something. Satan is not the opposite of God. Satan is not the opposite of Jesus. He's not all present, all knowing. He's not God but he will do everything, and in fact, he started in Genesis when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, and they sinned, and then, you know, she, you know, Adam blamed his wife, and then they blamed the devil, and you know, it all kind of all happened, right? Romans chapter 5 says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned, everyone sinned. Now, we all need God's grace. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're not perfect. Can you do that? Just tell them you're not perfect. <clears throat> I know some of you didn't even receive that. I know you did. You're like, yeah, I am. You know? <laughs> What's the battle? I hold the keys of death in the grave. Well, when Lucifer was kicked out of heaven, and this, they had an agenda, and the agenda was I'm going to mess up God's creation and they introduce sin into the world, into his very, very own children. And then you see throughout Scripture, all you see is a loving God working through sin to reach his people. That's all you see. All the way in the Old Testament, everything about it. A loving God who's not going to give up on his people. But then something happens. Something happens. A little bit more about the devil. Verse chapter, John chapter 8, Jesus says this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and, what church? The father of lies. I want you to hear this. When you hear a lie, you now know who's pulling the strings. When you're tempted to lie, you now know who's pulling the strings, He is the father of lies. And you have to be able to know what's what's a lie and what's not. Some of you have been listening to the father of lies. And you say stuff like, my life is not worth living. There's no way I'll ever change. My marriage is done. I'll never find the right person. Church is for weak-minded people. All my friends are against me. People don't care about me. They're out to get me. I'll never be good enough. And the enemy wants you to give in, throw in the towel and say, you know what, it's not worth it. That church, they don't care about me. The enemy's ultimate goal is to get you to separate yourself from those who love you, especially other Christians, especially the church. And if the enemy can get you to walk away from those things, even to the point where you say, you know what, that Christian at that church hurt me. I'm never going to go to church again. You know what the enemy's doing? Yeah. Because we all need the grace of God. And the enemy's ultimate goal is to do that in your life. I love Nicole Weidman. I got to spend some time with her. We went to Houston, Texas to go and love on some flood victims, and we partnered with American Furniture Warehouse and had a great time. And I got to ride in the, in the band, right, Nicole? We got to, and we had a great time talking. I got to hear her. She is a sweet, beautiful woman. <coughs> We're baptizing her today, right now. I'm excited. That's gonna me the highlight for me, Nicole. Listen to what she says. I had grown up in the church until I graduated from high school and strayed away. Mm. Turning my back on Jesus and God and exploring my own version of spirituality, but he pursued me even when I didn't know it. Amen. He protected me from my sins and poor choices. I grew up, listen to this church. She says, I grew up with an abusive earthly father, physical, emotional, sexual, for many years. In my teens and 20s, I tried to fill a hole in my heart with other men and women. I sought after anybody I thought would love me. God knew better. He left the 99 and came after me. Today, I am a daughter of God. He has filled that hole in my heart with His love. Thorn Creek has changed my life for the better. I've been challenged to grow in my faith and am closer to God than ever before. I thank God for my small group women who don't have it all together, but we are doing life together and holding each other accountable. By the grace of God, I have been redeemed. I'm not where I want to be yet but I'm not where I once was. Hallelujah. I didn't say that right, because Nicole would say, Hallelujah! That's what she would say. Isn't that right? I love having Nicole in the audience when I preach. I love talking. Jesus said, I hold the keys of death in the grave. That means you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear being alone. You don't have to fear life. You don't have to fear your past. You don't have to fear your future. You can live in a state of peace because you know the Prince of Peace. Jesus said the thief's purpose, that's the devil, is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The enemy's ultimate goal is to steal and kill and destroy. I hope you realize this. I was talking to one of our police officers during the week when we had, you know, the scare and everything with the schools and when we were talking and I want to share this with you. We are living in a state, our society is deteriorating. Our values are deteriorating. We are valuing other people's beliefs and doing all those things. But as we do this stuff, our, va- our, our society, there's a deterioration of, a, of our society that people are thinking about things that, are, that you would have never thought about 40 years ago. You, are you following me? That's the culture we live in right now. That's the culture we live in where everything is right and there is no wrong. Let me ask you something. If there is no wrong, then why in the world do we have the cross? Why did God send his only son into this world to go to a cross for you and for me? Jesus made the cross popular. The Romans used it for execution. It was a horrible, horrible execution where you suffocated and you eventually collapsed and your lungs would collapse and it was a slow death. But Jesus is the one who made it popular. Now we we put it on a tattoo or we wear it around our neck or we put it wherever in our car, in our, our visor, whatever it is. But Jesus made the cross popular, his love for us. Scripture says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The cross is for our sins. There had to be shedding of the blood once and for all for our sins. The cross is an example that there had to be an extreme measure. His only son. But the empty grave, the empty grave, scripture says, was we were, he was raised to life for our justification. That word justification is a great Bible word. It means, it means we are made right with God, just as if we never sinned. He conquered. Death holds the keys of hell. Let me say this. Just because things are going well doesn't mean you don't need the power of the resurrection. The great lie of the devil is you're fine. If the enemy can just kind of keep you busy... If the enemy could keep you, allow, he'll allow you to do noble things and you can recycle and eat organic stuff which, and, and be a vegetarian. God have mercy on you. And he can do all those things. Wait, let's just stop right now and pray for you. If I'm just kidding. with you. <laughs> but as, you can do all kinds of good things as long as you don't give yourself to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As long as you don't do that. As long as you don't do that. <clears throat> behind every great man or woman of God, there was this point in their life when they fell to their knees and they said, oh, Jesus, I see who you are. And I want all of you. I want you to be the loudest voice in my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior, and I'm gonna run everything by you, and I want you. Behind every great man and woman of God, you see, there was that moment. And they continued to live for him. They continue to live for him. Paul the Apostle says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of the resurrection. And think about this. This is a guy who didn't go to church much. He hated Christians. In fact, he was a murderer. He killed other Christians, hated the church. And he, and, and he said, I want to know the power of the resurrection, In Ephesians, he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. It's the same power of the resurrection. The will of God is for you, to know the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection in your life. That's the will of God. And all of the things happening in your life, the reason why things, you've been drawn to church, but things are happening in your life because God's trying to get your attention. God is wooing you into a deeper relationship with him. God wants you to humble yourself and cry out to him and turn from your sins and turn to him with all of your heart. And God has allowed things to happen in your life, invitations, why did this happen? To get you to a right place where you say yes to Jesus. Melanie. Baptized her last night. Sweet, sweet girl. I told her I was going to have to hold her underwater for a while because I know a little bit about her life. <laughs> and she hit me. Um, she said this A year ago, I ended up in the hospital having to get not one, but two emergency surgeries that night. The surgeon told me that I was 12 hours away from dying. I just got the news that I might have cancer, so I prayed. Immediately after the prayer, Pastor Reuben walked into the hospital room. God reminded me that he is with me and he will take care of me. Pastor Reuben told me never to forget this moment and to never miss church the rest of your life. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You're like, I don't ever want you to pray for me, Reuben. <laughs> uh, I want to get baptized because not only did Jesus Christ save me physically, he saved me spiritually. He has forgiven me for all my sins, and I can now let that all go. Jesus wants you to know the unleashing power of the resurrection at a personal level. Do you want it? Do you want to know Christ more fully? you want to know the resurrection power more fully? You know, Jesus made one guy really, really famous in John chapter 11. He was dead for four days. You know what his name was? Lazarus. That guy, Lazarus, wasn't even, his name wasn't even mentioned until Jesus showed up, until the guy was dead. Lazarus' greatest accomplishment was he died. <laughs> and then Jesus brought him back. He didn't do anything. He just came out hopping around, you know, <laughs> Jesus had come out, and that was the greatest that was his purpose in life. But when you read that scripture, Jesus, remember, he also says, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. But when you read that scripture, Martha Jesus says, remove this stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, what does it say? Read it out loud. Lord, for he had been dead for four days. And I think we all have a little bit of Martha inside of us. You know what, God? This opportunity for a miracle has come and gone. There's no way this, could, this relationship could reconcile. There's no way he will change. There's no way she will change. There's no way. I made so many mistakes in my life. I'll never be that guy. I'll never be that gal. I'll never be that person I feel like I, should, I wanted to be. I just totally screwed up, and there's just no way. I, I've just messed up so bad. <sighs> you know what? There's a stench now. It's too late. Jesus, just pack your bags and your wonder miracle bag and just head on out of here. Maybe you're there. My finances have a stench. My living situation has a stench. My passion for God has a stench. My addiction has a stench. My hope has a stench. My faith has a stench. My marriage has a stench. I have a stench. I want you to hear this. Just because there's a stench doesn't mean God can't do a miracle. Jesus brings life where there is no life. And Jesus wants you to give yourself to him completely and watch him work. And watch him work. Can you hear that? Can you receive that? Watch him work. <clears throat> we baptized Dawn last, uh, we're baptizing Don today right now here. She says this, after going through some issues in my 47 years of marriage. Did you see that? 47 years of marriage. You know, marriage takes work, doesn't it? Marriage takes work. Marriage takes work. <clears throat> she said, I talked with Pastor Reuben and I gave my life to Jesus Christ on July 5, 2017. I think we're moving more loving, we're more loving to each other and trying to be more respectful about things we want to be in this marriage for the long haul. Isn't that beautiful, guys? <clears throat> See, over and over and over, the invitation God has for you is, will you do life God's way? Will you do life the Jesus way? And that's the invitation. Pride will say, you know what? No. (laughs) I want to do life my own way. I want to read to you, just to wrap this up, a famous passage in Ezekiel, chapter 37. It's called The Valley of the Dry Bones. And Ezekiel has this vision, and it's a picture of God and what he wants to do with Israel. But as I read this chapter here, or a few verses, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about that thing in your life that has a stench. I want you to think about your own heart. Maybe it's full of pride, and maybe it's hard. You might even consider yourself a Christian, but you know it's not fresh, and it's not real, and God feels distant, and when you pray, you're not sure if he hears your prayers. You might have gone through some, going through some really tough times, or, or you know what? Maybe everything is great for you, and it's a time of just plenty for you, and that's where you're at, but you know your heart with God. You know, you, you don't, you just relationship with God is not there. As I read this, I want you, because this is explaining how the resurrection power, when it's unleashed, this is what happens. First one. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Question mark. O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will breathe into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies, so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we become old, dry bones. All hope is God. I'll never be that person, I'll never have that marriage, I'll never be right, I'll never be able to get a hold of my finances, I'll never have the career I want, I'll never have that dream, I'll never, all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Can you hear that? I'll call you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit, there's the resurrection power. I will put my spirit in you and you will live Again and return home to your own land, then you will know. (laughs) Then you will know. Then you will know. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. God wants you to experience a new life today. God wants you to rise again. God wants to put his Holy Spirit, his resurrection power inside of you. God wants to draw you closer to him. God wants to do a miracle in your life, in your heart, in your home. He wants to give you a life that you could never dream of. And it starts with giving yourself completely to Jesus. God wants to do that in you today. Today, today. Then you will know. That it's Jesus, the eyes are flames and his, he's glowing like the sun and, and his feet are like polished bronze in the fire and you will worship him and you will know there's no other name like the name of Jesus and you'll live for him and not for anyone else. Will you let him do that in your life? Will you let him do that in your life? Life is too short to play games. Life is too short to fake it. Life is too short. It's too short. Let God have all of you let's pray guys let's pray decision time some of you need to ask jesus into your heart say this jesus come into my heart forgive me for my sins take all of me be my lord and savior others of you you might consider yourself a christian but you need to know that resurrection power if you want to know the resurrection power say this prayer God, I humble myself to you before you right now. And I I, I just want want you to know, God, that I'm, I'm willing to turn from anything you want me to turn away from. I give myself completely to you. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And now, Jesus, I ask for your Holy Spirit to invade my heart, invade my home. I want to know the power of your resurrection. Unleash your resurrection power in me this morning. Thank you, God. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And the church said. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting Give.